yeah, a bunch of exciting news that are ha that's happening in this season. And I want to share with you more exciting news. As I told you before, uh, groundbreaking for a new building it was started two weeks ago. And I'll show you some pictures of that right now. The two engineers. <laughs> Two of the best engineers in Laredo went to make sure that they're doing the right job. One of them that you can see is, has a righteous hat. The other one has not so righteous hat. But yeah, it's pretty neat. We have another picture. I think this shows you the land. Man, I was standing there and they marked the stakes where the, the sanctuary is going to be and the foyer and the offices. It's a nice building. I'm super excited. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for keeping and supporting this ministry, supporting his church, Grace Bible Church. As Pastor Adrian says, we have a lot to be done, but we are going to focus on sharing the gospel to the ends of Laredo and beyond. So good, exciting times that is happening here at Grace Bible Church. I was remembering when my kids were little and I had to take them to get their checkups. I have two boys. I couldn't wait to the end of the, the checkup session because at that time, the doctor would bring out this growth chart. And I was super excited to see how big our boys were getting. And so they'd measure his weight, their weights and their length and so on and so forth. And he would always tell me, man, your boys are beyond the average. And I was like, yeah, Maranda boys, that's what I like. We can all relate, can't we? You know, we're so excited about how big our boys or girls are getting. And not only physically, also mentally. You know, we think and we celebrate and we post on Facebook, my baby boy is two months old and he's already running a marathon and all excited. He's only three months old and he's wearing 2T or whatever that size is. You know, he's so good at basketball. He's only in sixth grade and yet scouts are coming to watch him already. And we invest on that. We want them to mature in their studies. We want them to mature in whatever talent God has given them, basketball, volleyball or whatever. We get excited, and we want to measure their growth. But what would happen if all of a sudden that passion that you saw in your child for whatever it may be, whether it be studies or sports, just died? Would you be a little concerned? Would you go up to them and say, hey, what happened? How come you're not growing? You used to love your studies. You used to love band, and now you stopped, and their attitude would be, eh. I don't like it anymore. I changed my mind. Wouldn't your hopes as parents decline? I mean, if you were expecting them to go to a good college, but yet their studies just stopped or went back, you'd be a little concerned because it would change the projection of their future, wouldn't you? And what we're going to see today is just that. The author of Hebrews gets a little concerned because his church, his people, new converts into Christianity had stopped growing. They stopped maturing. And he's going to give them and he's going to give us a stern warning. And we're going to see what the consequences of those things are. So, so far, we've seen two warnings. And let me recap a little bit. The first warning that the author of Hebrews says is, hey, don't drift away. Stay connected to God's truth. Don't get too comfortable because little by little, if you're not in God's word, if you're not in this church, you will start drifting. And there might be a point where it gets harder to drift back. And then the second warning, he says, don't harden your hearts. Don't let sin or guilt keep you from hearing his voice. And if the God is speaking to you now, move on it. Don't ever think that your sin 
could not be forgiven by a holy and true God. And today, the warning we're going to see is grow up, mature, keep on moving forward towards your faith in relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. We are in the series going through this book of Hebrews. So let's begin in verse 11 of chapter 5. And he says this. About this, we have much to say. What is he talking about? If you recall last week, he started talking about this high priest, Melchizedek, and how Jesus is ultimately the high priest above all priests. And he's saying, about this, what I just told you, we have a lot more to say, he says. And then he says this. But it is hard, he says. It's hard to explain. Why? Since you have become dull of hearing. That word dull is sluggish. What he's saying is that I can't explain to you anymore because you won't understand because you've become lazy. Literally, he's saying you guys are lazy. You guys have become dull. You guys don't want to pay attention anymore. I'm telling you God's truth. I'm telling you to grow up in, in, in the word, and yet you guys have just tuned out. How many teachers we got in the house today? Could you guys relate? Some of the students are like, uh, and that's what he's saying. The students of the author, he's saying, wake up. Don't become lazy. Move on. He goes on and he says this in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. God's word is what he's saying. He says, you need milk. Not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Why? Because he is a child. But solid food is for mature, for those who have their powers of discernment and trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That's the warning he's given them. You stop growing, and at this point you need to be teachers, but yet... You're still in kindergarten, he says, and you need to be taught. You, you've fallen back so much from the word of God that you can't even tell what's right and wrong, truth and lie. You need someone to feed you and feed you and feed you. And he's saying, grow up, church. Mature on to solid foods. Don't get stuck on baby foods. Graduate. Move forward. That's the warning. Man, I'm reading this, and I think to myself, that warning was back then, but God's word is forever, and that warning is for us as well. How many of us, and I'm guilty of it too, just get stuck? We want to be consumers, just give me, give me, give me, give me milk, but we don't want to go forward. This is a church, like every church should be, should be a church of disciple-making, of teaching what Jesus said, the Great Commission, go teach what I've taught you. But in order to teach, you need to know God's word. You need to grow up. And the author of Hebrews is saying, I'm disappointed. Ask yourself, have you become dull? Have you become sluggish? Have you become too comfortable? And if we're honest, we don't make time for God. We wake up in the morning 
And the first thing we do is check our emails, check our phone. And before we know it, oops, I forgot about God. What he's telling us, church, is you can't lose that passion to keep growing and growing in him. You can never know him enough. You can never learn enough. And once you do, you pass it on. You make disciples so the church can grow, so the body of Christ can mature. He's going to go on. He's going to give five basic aspects of where they're stuck and how they need to move on in their growth. And this is what he says. Chapter 6, verse 1. He says, therefore, because you guys are stuck in your ways, because you refuse to grow up, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. He says, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. What he's saying is that you guys still think that you have to work for your salvation. Come on, move from that. It's faith alone in Christ alone is what he's saying. And then he goes on in verse 2. And of instruction about washings, about baptisms. You guys are stuck in that? Move from that. I've taught you what baptism signifies. The laying on of hands, referring to ordination. Make sure you do them properly. The resurrection of the dead. He says the death is not the end and you guys are living like it is. Remember, you have eternity with Christ is what he's saying. And he says eternal judgment. And what he's referring to that, he's saying one day we will all stand before God and give an account for what we did and did not do. And he says, and this we will do if God permits. He's saying move beyond this. Graduate. Don't get stuck on finger painting. There's more stuff to be done. Be a Picasso artist. Move. Leave that behind. Before I jump into verse number four, I want us to remind us a little bit about the context. More importantly, the audience that the author is speaking to. The audience that he is writing to and speaking to are, if you recall, early converts. They're Jewish people that started following Jesus Christ, that trusted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. But since they started doing that, they were being persecuted. And some were saying, I don't like this. This Jesus thing hurts. So they started jumping off the bandwagon. Some were drifting away as he just warned them. The other thing that I want us to remember is here he's speaking to believers. His audience is those that are trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So the audience are people that have trusted Christ. Some of them are on the fence, but some of them had jumped off. As a matter of fact, some of them were so angry of what this Christ thing did to them that they were going against the gospel as we're going to see right now. So here, as we begin verse 4, he's going to be talking about someone else. Look at the tense. He goes from single to third person. Look what he says. For it is impossible. That's what he's saying. It is impossible. In the case of those, those that have stepped away from the faith, who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God, and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to restore them, third person, again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding them up to contempt. Now, these verses we just read, 
there are two main interpretations of what people believe the author was referring to. One of them is this, that someone could lose their salvation. He says that it is impossible for someone who, 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 who is saved to come back and be saved again. In other words, they can lose their salvation and then come back to salvation. That's one view of these verses. The other view, main view of these verses, is that here the author is talking about someone who wasn't really saved. So that's what he was referring to. So let's tackle these verses and go slow through them to see what God is telling us in this. Now here is what we know for sure. And I say for sure because when it comes to verses like this, we need to first to go see what the whole Bible is talking about. Some of the verses are super clear. Some of the verses from beginning to end of the Bible teach this. Once saved, always saved. Now this view about you losing your salvation, it can't be. And let me explain to you why. Because again, I want to go to three verses that really show that someone cannot lose their salvation. The doctrine of the security of a believer is set. John chapter 2 verses 27 through 30. Jesus is speaking. This is what he says. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them what? Eternal. How long is eternal? If it's, if it's not eternal, can it stop? Because if it stops and it will be no longer eternal, it would have said something, I give them temporary, I give them whatever. But it says eternal, which means forever. I give them eternal life and they will what? Never. Now, this is where it gets a little complicated. I did a word search on never and I studied it in Hebrew. I studied it in Greek. I studied it in Latin. And you know what I found out never means? Never. Never. And they will never perish. They can't lose their salvation. And who? No one. Is no one including yourself? Yeah, not me, not you, not anyone. No one will snatch them. I love that. Snatch them. I got you as a believer. And no matter how hard anyone tries, I got you in the palm of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And he says it again. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one, Jesus says. That's pretty clear. But let me go on. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Even as he chose, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. Man, I love that. He considers us blameless because of what Jesus did at the cross. Blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to, his, to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. We are adopted into the family. He predestined this before time even existed. He says, I choose you. I choose you. We are his children. I have two boys and I don't care how much they don't want to be my boys. They will always be my boys. No matter what horrific things they do. Now, the way I treat my boys, the way I reward my boys, that will change. But they will always be my children. 
period. We keep going on Ephesians verses 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believe in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. You're sealed with his promise once and for all, who is the guarantee, a pledge, an escrow of our inheritance until when? Until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. God made a pledge, a deposit of himself, the Holy Spirit. If he would break that promise, if we would lose our salvation, it goes totally against his character. In other words, it is impossible to lose your salvation. Are we clear? And I can go on. Now let's look at the second view that the author was talking about those that really weren't believers. So let's tackle that. Go back with me to verse 4 and 5 again. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. Now I don't believe he's talking about those that, yeah, they seem to have been saved, but they're not. Why? Because he is identifying, he is describing people that have been saved. They've been enlightened. They have the Holy Spirit. They have eternal life. That's not true either. So what is the author telling you and me? Let's go back to the context. It's so important. When I was in seminary, I remember one professor would always say, look, it's always Jesus when you're reading the Bible, and it's always a context. Context, Jesus. Context, context is so important. When we're in realty, anybody who's a realtor, what do they say? It's all about location, location, location. When you're reading your Bible, it's all about context. What does the paragraph before say? What does that book say? What does the whole Bible say? So we just saw we can't lose our salvation. So what is the context? Three warnings he's given us so far. Don't drift away. Don't get too comfortable and you're so away from God's word and it becomes really hard to come back. First warning. Second warning, don't harden your hearts. Don't feel that you have so much sin that you can't turn back to Christ. Second warning. Third warning, grow up. Mature. Keep growing in Christ. Develop a love and a passion for the word. What is he going to do now? He's going to give us the consequences of those that don't listen to the warnings. Let's go back and see this. For it is impossible, okay, it is impossible. In the case, those believers of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away. Those that defected from the faith, not those that have lost their salvation. Those that said, I've drifted too far away. Those that say, I'm listening to God, but I feel my sin is too much that I will not move forward. Those that haven't matured is what he's saying. To restore them, those people, it is impossible. Again, to repentance. And check this out. Why? Since they are crucifying present tense, once again, the Son of God to their own harm and holding them up to content, present tense. This is what he's saying. These people he's talking about have not listened to the warning. 
and have drifted away so far. They're not maturing. And God is saying, come back. But it is impossible in the state that they're on to come back to repentance. Why? Because in their mind, they continue to crucify. They continue to go against God. They continue to grow with him. Anybody in that, in that tense, in that state of mind, for those people, it is impossible. It is impossible to move forward. See, this is not a verse about losing your conversion. It's a verse about losing your commitment. If you continue to think that your sin is too great and you're still in that way of thinking, it is impossible to hear God. That's what he's talking about. What he's saying is that there's a possibility for a true believer to move away from the faith which would disqualify them from being further service. At that point, if you're like that, as a believer, you're useless. And then it is impossible and could very well disqualify them from eternal blessings. Why am I saying this? Let's read on. Verse six, chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receive a blessing from God. Those that move forward, those that listen to my warning, they will receive a blessing, an eternal blessing. But then he says, but if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. Those that don't, those that don't live the way you need to live as believers, you will be not receiving the eternal blessing that God has in store for you. That is what he's saying. That is the meaning, that is the context, that is the interpretation of these verses. Let's move on, verse nine. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, you're not those people, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. He's confident that the people that he's speaking to, the people that are listening, they won't fall away from the faith. Why? This is why. Verse 10 through 12. For God is not unjust to, so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. He says, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end. He urges them, keep on going. You've got that hope in Jesus Christ. And why? So that you may not be sluggish, dull, lazy, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He's saying, keep on going. I know it's difficult. I know it's easy to become sluggish. I know it's easy to doubt, but don't. Don't be sluggish. Keep doing what you're doing, serving the saints, loving on one another as Jesus has loved you, loved you. But do it for the right reasons. Do it in perspective of eternity, not for rewards that are temporary. You know, like I said, it's all about Jesus. It's all about context. Jesus, like every word in this Bible, lived it perfectly. We read in the Gospels that Jesus was tempted right after baptized, being baptized. He is tempted in the wilderness three times. The enemy says, man, you don't need to do all this. You can have it now. If you say who you are, do what I'm telling you to do. You're hungry. Eat. You are the son of God. You can make 
anything you want, bread out of stones. Did Jesus give in? No. He called. He was tired 40 days, 40 nights. He could have easily said, you know what? You're right. I'm tired. I'm sluggish. But no. And how did he defend himself? How did he keep from being tempted? He quotes scripture. He goes to God's word, the truth. So here's what I want us to take away from today. Summarize what we just read. Your point for today is this. My salvation is secure. I hope that you understood that. There's no way you can lose your salvation. My salvation is secure. My faith must mature so my Christian life can endure. I'm tacky that way. But I hope you remember this. Because if you know that you are a child of God, that no one can snatch you away from his hand, you're going to want to get to know that person more and more. Your faith must mature. And as your faith matures, as you become stronger in the word, you can move forward no matter what life brings at you. You can move forward. You can endure in your Christian life. My salvation is secure. My faith must mature. My Christian life, I'm going to change it, will endure. I'm going to give you just three applications, three, three things that I thought of as I was preparing for the sermon that we can go and, and live our lives so we can live this out, our sermon point. The first thing is have more dedication to God. Put Him first. Open up your Bible in the morning, read from Him. We say, oh, pastor, I don't have time. I wake up in the morning, I go, 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 go. No, no, no. We all have 24 hours in a day. Here's the difference. We prioritize our time. Will you make God a priority? Will you mature in him? Will you grow in him? Join a small group. Go to our link. Grow together in Christ. Don't drift away. Stay connected. We are better together as his family. Maintain a practice of righteous living. Some of us just come to church. And yeah, we're raising our hand and singing, oh, how we love you, Jesus. But when we go out of this building, man, we show total opposite of that. Serve. Do a righteous living. Serve. Help your community. There's so many people in need. We have so much and we take it for granted. One of the things that we're doing here as Grace Bible Church, as our ministry leaders, our pastors, we go out on Tuesdays and help this great ministry, Stepping Stones, we load boxes to so many churches, and those churches go on and serve our community. Do that. You're maturing. You're getting to know everybody else. We have the time. The thing is, will you make the time? Will you prioritize? And then lastly, respond with wisdom and love with whatever comes your way. Don't let any struggles or doubt or anyone else stop you from going. Growing in Christ. Mature in Him. Church, we are growing as a family. Spanish-speaking ministry, let's help there. Church building, keep on giving the way you are giving. Keep on serving the community because we are not done yet. And we are going to further his kingdom here in Laredo because we want to be a church that serves him. My prayer is that we are a church that says, Jesus, 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 above all things, above all things, give me Jesus. 
Will you join me in that journey? Let's do this together, church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have purposed us, every single one of us, every single person that puts their trust in your son, Jesus Christ, has a purpose. But unfortunately, Father, we believe that purpose is all about us. Let us be a people, let us be a church that realizes that the purpose is not about us. The purpose is about you glorifying your son. Will you give us a heart, the spirit to move forward in that, mature in that? Father, and I pray that anyone who is sitting here, anybody who's watching at home, if they haven't put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they hear your voice today, that they're open their hearts, that they come to you and believe in their hearts that your son lived a perfect life, died on the cross and rose again on the third day. If they believe in that, if they trust in that, that their sins are forgiven, that they're secure in you, Father. And with that, that we can move forward as your church, as your children, to serve, to be the hands and feet of your son Jesus. We love you. We praise you. And it's all in his name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. Love you guys. Have a blessed week.